This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. We are going to play a quick round of Jeopardy. How many of you watch Jeopardy? All right. The rules of Jeopardy are real simple. Okay. That's right. How do you answer a question? Right? Hey, 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 raise your hand. This is Jeopardy. We don't have buzzers. Yes, because the question is actually the answer, and the answer is a question, right? So it's what is, every, every answer starts with what is, because I'm going to give you the answer, and you're going to give me the question, all right? So the first answer, well, first of all, I, I really thought about shaving all this and just having the mustache. I could really be Alex Trebek tonight, but um, I decided not to, because Trish would be mad at me. The first answer, the first answer is 142. It's up on the board there, 142. Sam? No? Anybody? Remember, you got to answer with what is. That's close, but this is not Celebrity Jeopardy. I can't give you points for that. Anybody? No? That's a good guess. What is the number of services? That, that would probably be a good guess. <laughs> That's way off. Way off. <laughs> All right. Total IQ of the pastors. That does not count because you did not say what is. All right. Marilyn Dolly? What is Psalms 142? No. That's a good one. What is Psalms 142? All right. Nope. Okay. The membership's over 200 now. Do you know that? Partnership, by the way. Membership. Partnership. All right. The question is, what is the number of man hours it takes every week to make Sunday mornings happen at Nags Head Church. And don't trust me on this. Andy did the math on this. It might actually be double that. All right? 142. That does not count the time that Andy, Barbara, and I put in during the work week. Okay? That's the time the housekeeping team comes and cleans the building. The band shows up Thursday night, Sunday morning for practice. Uh, the Kidmo and Lil K workers come in early to print off their stuff. The nursery team stays late to clean up the nursery. And then everything that happens on Sunday morning, the hospitality team, um, the first impressions team, all of that. 142 hours it takes to make Nagshead Church happen every week. I bet you would not have guessed that number, would you? 142, so that's the cumulative hours, okay? All right, here's so. Everybody, no points, all right? Zero points for everybody. This next one's a little bit easier, okay? All right, the second answer, remember, answer question. Second answer is, both an opportunity for our partners to worship together, serve together, and welcome others, and an invitation to our guests to worship God with us by introducing them to who we are and who God is and encouraging them to return and discover life in Christ with us. Billy. Good guess, but no. Billy has negative points now. Yes. Uh, no, that's a great guess too. That would work, wouldn't it? First impressions work. Connection groups. No, no. Tom? No, Tom's a pastor. Hang on. Chris? What is... Chris is very close. What? Tom, what were you going to say? 
He said, what is Sunday morning? That's basically it, but I'm looking for one extra word in there. Kit. No. No. Okay, close. What is the purpose? Purpose. That word, right? That we always talk about. That's the one I was looking for. You all get negative zero points, all right? What is the purpose of our Sunday morning worship gatherings? And I asked Andy. Andy and, and my dad and I kind of got together and came up with this really long, elaborate thing because we want to try to include everything. But um, we could probably shorten that. All right, that's the end of the question. A couple of you got really close, so good job. All right, what is the purpose of our Sunday morning gathering? Understanding the big picture... And big picture is 142, isn't it? Little picture is, man, I got to get to church early and, and do, do my you know, thing. The big picture is there's 142 hours that go into Sunday morning. And I'm a little bit a part of that, but I'm a very important part of that. Understanding the big picture purpose of our Sunday mornings helps us to know what we want to do with the small details, right? You got to see the big picture. At least somebody has to be able to see the big picture to help people do the small details, right? And you all are small details, and together we are the big picture. Would you agree with that? That's a good way to look at it, okay? And it also helps us to know how we want to do the small details. What we have discovered is many of our church partners and regular attenders neither understand the big picture or the small details. So tonight, we're going to answer the question, why? But first, let's talk about how Nag Said Church operates using McDonald's as a comparison. All right, how many of you have ever been to McDonald's? Either drive through or, okay, I think we got probably maybe 100%. That's awesome. Okay, you all passed. There you go. You made up for those negative responses earlier. Okay, so we're going to compare Nag Said Church to McDonald's so we can kind of picture this. All right, there are two main groups of people that McDonald's is concerned about. Can you tell me who those are? Besides the shareholders, we won't count those, all right? The stockholders. What's that? Customers is one. Employees is the other. We got some small business owners in here somewhere, okay? Customers and employees. And they both, they serve those two groups in different ways, similar but different ways, right? Every successful business includes both groups in their purpose, with the goal of making the experience beneficial for both employees and customers. Listen to McDonald's mission statement. You'll see how they incorporate both groups. Here it is. McDonald's vision is to be the world's best quick service restaurant experience. Being the best means providing outstanding quality, service, cleanliness, and value so that we can make every customer in every restaurant smile. So for their employees, Mickey D's offers exclusive perks like a salary, right? Customers don't get salaries, do they? All right, uh, benefits, okay, McDonald's offers benefits now. Uh, training, McDonald's, McDonald's has this advancement program, all right, um, they have advancement opportunities, they encourage each of their, each of their employees to kind of step up, all right. In order to receive any of these things, you've got to be an employee, right, those things are not available to uh, Joe customer, okay. Mickey D's wants to be the best by serving their employees. They also gear specific things for their customers in mind like healthy food options in the past couple years. You know, how many of you saw that uh, documentary, Supersize Me, right? After that thing came out, McDonald's, like, they got on the ball, okay? Now they serve apples, okay? 
They, you might have been able to used to buy a, a cheeseburger for a dime, but you could not get apples at McDonald's, all right? Um, so healthy, uh, healthy food options, uh, clean restrooms, a dollar menu, a speedy drive-through, unless you live in Killable Hills. Um, <laughs> A playground for the kids, high chairs. In fact, the McDonald's and KDH, how many of you noticed there's a little change at McDonald's and KDH? How many of you have been inside? I mean, it is like day to night, you know, night to day. I mean, they kind of they took a rundown little greasy fast food place, and it's, it's slightly upscale now, isn't it? Flat screen TVs and leather chairs and all that kind of good stuff, right? They totally renovate it um, to increase the appeal to their customers, and all of, but all these things, those things can also be appreciated by their employees, correct? Employees can enjoy healthy food and fast food and clean restrooms and, and all that other stuff. All right? Um, but the primary target, McDonald's primary target is their customers. Because what happens to the employees if the customers stop coming? What happens? Yeah, the employees no longer exist, correct? Now, what I want you to do is, is take McDonald's, okay, picture we just painted of McDonald's, and then hold Nag's Head Church up beside it, okay? Everybody see that? Here's McDonald's, and here's Nag's Head Church. Church partners are like employees, all right? We don't pay you money, all right? But our partners are what makes this church happen, okay? If it was up to the staff only, if it was up to the elders only, it would not be going on, right? Partners are offered special perks like ministry teams. You've got to be a church partner to be in a ministry team. Uh, NHCU, you've got to take the advanced four classes. Uh, you've got to be a partner to take those four classes. Um, the Christian Life Intensives, um, the mentoring program we talked about last week, our chi- um, and a whole lot more. Our guests, all right, our guests who come in, whether from out of town or in town, our guests are like McDonald's customers. And to make our guests feel welcome and want to return, we make sure that our restrooms are clean. How many of you appreciate the clean restrooms in the church every week? That doesn't just happen at random, all right? Make sure our our restrooms are clean. Uh, Our coffee is hot and tasty. How many of you appreciate the hot coffee Sunday morning, okay? Our partners are friendly. How many of you, when you first came to Nag's Head Church, you left and thought, man, that's kind of a, they're kind of a, a friendly church, all right? We get that a lot, okay? Our sermons are understandable. How many of you appreciate the fact that, um, you know, the, when we get up to teach, your small groups, you can, for the most part, you can understand. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but that's okay, all right? Our music is relevant. Our children's spaces are safe and secure, all right? Because the Bible says, if we're not reaching our community, our purpose as a church is not being fulfilled, all right? We say there are five purposes as, as, as a church, but if any one of those purposes gets cut off, then we're not succeeding. We're not being the church God wants us to be. We might as well shut the doors, close up shop, because all we really are is another religious social club, okay? Unfortunately, most people who come to our church don't consider the fact that everything that happens on Sunday morning happens because of a plan and because of systems, all right? How many of you think that you show up on Sunday morning and the restrooms are clean and the coffee is hot and the music is, is going just by some random act somebody decided to show up on Sunday morning and do that? How many of you think that's true? All right, good, okay? Chris, we'll, we'll talk later, all right? Many people assume, but listen, many people do by the way they act and the way they talk. They assume that what happens on church um, on Sunday morning is simply the outcome of complete randomness. And some people even think that we do certain things 
a certain way simply because, catch this, we've heard this, simply because that's how Pastor Rick wants it done. That's how youth pastor Andy likes it. That's how worship leader Nate demands it to be done. I've heard that, and I've had people uh, tell me, you know what, that's just because that's how you want it done. No, it's not. All right? Trust me, if, if we did church the way I wanted to do church at Nag Said Church, all right, half of you probably wouldn't want to come. And I understand that, so we don't, I don't try to force my own preferences on everything, you know? We would not serve hot coffee. I think hot coffee tastes like dirt, okay? We'd be serving frozen caramel frappes every Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? All right? And the rest of you would find another church to go to, all right? We have systems in place for every ministry team. And although our systems are not perfect, much like the McDonald's at Kittleville Hills is not perfect, if there's any employees at McDonald's, I, I'm not banging on, on McDonald's, all right? Um, but we're not perfect, but we're still learning to do things better. But nothing that we do happens at random. So with that McDonald's illustration in mind, pull out your piece of paper, take some notes tonight. We're going to take a look at some of the specific things that happen on Sunday mornings that serve both our partners and our guests, all right? Here are several questions that we have been asked by partners about Sunday mornings at NHC. So these are real questions that have made their way to our staff or our elders or one of our ministry team leaders, all right? First question, why are the members of the First Impressions team so rude to me? All right, the assumption here, we may, how many of you have ever gone to a, a, an organization, a restaurant, um, another church, and, and instinctively begun making assumptions about that place? How many of you have ever gone to a friend's house for dinner and you begin making assumptions about that person based on the shape of their house, the size of their house, the cleanliness of their house, if they have animals, if they have kids, if their flowers in the yard are dead, or if their grass is green? How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. So the assumption that's made with this question is, here's the assumption that's going on in people's minds. They think... That first impressions team, they think they're the best ministry team ever. They think they're too good to talk to me on Sunday mornings. Anybody in here ever thought that before? Somebody has, because we've been asked that question. The truth is, if you think the first impressions team is here to serve you as a partner, you're flat out wrong. The first impressions team exists to serve our guests. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be helpful to you. If you've got a question, please go to them, okay? But you know what? They're here to serve our guests. That's their primary purpose. Is that correct, Mike? Okay. If Mike says it's true, then it's true. He's our team leader. And they do that by making our guests feel welcome. They help them find information that they're looking for. They show them where the restrooms are, where the coffee is, where to check their kids in. If you're a partner or even a regular attender, guess what? You probably don't need that kind of help, do you? How many of you know where to go find some information? If you need it. The information table. Don't, by the way, don't go to Barbara Kay every time you have a question. Just because she's our church administrator, all right, she does not know the answer to every question. I apologize to you if I've ever directed you in Barbara's direction, okay? Hebrews 13, 2a says this. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. In all that the church does, you know what? Don't forget. Don't forget about these strangers that are coming to your church. And although the First Impressions team, we don't ask them to completely ignore our partners. We don't say, look, if, if somebody in the church comes up to you for help or, or a conversation, don't just act like they're not there. We don't tell them that, okay? But they are supposed to be spending their time. They are not 
supposed to be spending their time having lengthy conversations with you on Sunday morning when they're on mission to serve our guests. And that's what happens a lot, okay? So you have a responsibility. How many of you are on the First Impressions team? All right, put your hands down. I'm not gonna talk to you for a second. I'm talking to everybody else. You have a responsibility to help the First Impressions team fulfill their mission on Sunday mornings when they're wearing those name tags and they're doing their job to just kind of say, hey, Mike, how's it going? I got something to talk to you about, but I know you're on mission right now. I'm gonna talk to you later, all right? Watch, come in here one day and get in here early and watch what happens at the doors. Tristan and, and, and Judith and, and others will be standing there handing out stuff and people will stop. Church partners will stop. And for five minutes, while the line is backing up behind them, they're having a conversation, okay? And, and let me tell you, if you're on the First Impressions team, it's not easy to say, you know what, I love you, I really wanna hear what you have to say, but I can't do it right now, can you please move on, okay? That's hard to say. So help them out, okay? So this Sunday, be thinking about that, all right? So the First Impressions team, are they really rude people? No, they're on mission, and their mission does not primarily involve our church partners, okay? Moving on, here's a question we've got asked several times recently. Why did we move the lobby furniture? How many of you noticed about three months ago we moved things around in the lobby? Any idea, any guesses? Change is good, I like that answer. How old are you? Ten, in about 10 years, the world is gonna tell you change is bad, okay? Keep thinking that, change is good, all right? Great answer. Anybody else? Mike doesn't count because he knows. He's cheating. What's that? Ah, yes. It created more room. How many of you noticed the very first Sunday we opened this building, we had a traffic flow problem? All right. It took us on staff about three years to finally go, let's move something. And we moved that big information center to the corner, moved a few things around, and boom, it opened up the traffic flow. The, assumption, the assumptions made, you know, I think the staff, they were just bored one day and they needed something exciting to do. Trisha and I rearranged the furniture in our bedroom this week. It's exciting. It's like moving into a new house, you know? All we did was put the bed on the other side of the room, you know? That's not why we did it. We did it because there was a traffic flow problem. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It usually happens around the coffee bar with all the old people, around the donuts with all the little kids, okay? Um, The reason, listen, the reason we built the big lobby was to encourage people to mingle in fellowship. When we built this building, we were told, design the biggest lobby you can think of and then double it. We should have tripled it. Okay, the first Sunday we were in here, we said, whoa, we went a little too small, all right? That kind of thing doesn't happen in our auditorium. How many of you come in the auditorium and the first thing you're thinking about is finding your seat? Be honest, okay? That's what the vast, especially our guests, that's what they do. And you get this bubble mentality. I found my seat, don't touch me, don't talk to me, leave me alone, okay? That's what happens with a lot of people, okay? But with the way we previously had things arranged, we noticed we were getting traffic jams, and the change has made a big difference. It's going to make an even bigger difference this summer when there's 200 people in that lobby at one time instead of 100, okay? It's not perfect. It may never be perfect. But that's a good problem to have, all right? Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All right? 
Which leads me to the next question. Why do we keep the auditorium doors shut until 10 minutes before each gathering? Anybody? Chris? Yeah. I kind of gave that answer away. But good job, Chris. Everybody give Chris a hand. Chris is one of our newest partners, and he's miles ahead of me, you know? All right? The assumption is, and I've heard this before, the assumption is, I bet the band sleeps in, and they get... And they get here really late, and they need all the time they can get to practice because they get here late. You know what? That's not true. We all get here late sometimes, but, but man, I tell you what, they are committed. They're up. How many, how many in the band are here? How many of you are up by 6.30 a.m.? Yep. Okay. So they're committed. They're here. That assumption is totally not true. The truth is, as I just explained, as Chris just reminded you, the purpose of our lobby on Sunday mornings is to encourage people to hang out and get to know each other. We especially, listen, catch this, we especially want our partners to keep a lookout for new faces. When was the last time, those of you who are not on the First Impressions team, it's not your job, when was the last time on a Sunday morning you saw somebody look like a new face and you went up to them not because they were cute, not because they were your age, not because they had the same skin color as you, but simply because they were a new face and you thought, hey, I'm gonna make a connection there and welcome them to Nags Head Church. When was the last time you did that? Because if you're not doing that, guess what? You're missing out. And let me tell you something. It's our goal that every single partner at Nags Head Church be on that first impression team, be on the hospitality team. You see a piece of trash on the floor, pick it up. Be on our children's team. You see a family walk in and you know how to help them check their kids in and they've never been to church before, Go up to him and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I've got a kid who looks like they might be your kid's age. Can I tell you about our kid's church? My kid loves it. That is your responsibility, folks. That's my responsibility. By keeping the door shut, we prevent people to get into that, okay, I'm in the auditorium. It's my time now. I'm away from all those crazies in the lobby and I get to kind of settle down, okay? We don't want people to get there too early. We want, peop- we want to force people. We'll, we'll force you to fellowship, okay? <laughs> but you got to get here early, right? Why do, next question. Any questions so far? Good. Why do we offer coffee and food before each gathering? Any ideas? Hang on, you're the smart one. I'm going to come back to you if somebody gets it wrong. Okay, Yes. How many of you, when somebody says, hey, we're having a meeting at 2 p.m., I need you to be there, like, yeah. No, not really. How many of you, when you say, hey, we're having a meeting at 2 p.m. and we're going to have lots of food, you're like, oh, okay, I'll be there, right? All right, okay. What else? Yes. That is, that's the assumption, that is the assumption that people make. The assumption that people make is, we understand some people come to church late, some of our partners have kids and they have trouble getting up, so we're gonna serve them breakfast. <laughs> Wrong. In fact, a couple years ago, we shut down the food completely. I don't know if you remember this, for about two or three weeks, we stopped serving food, stopped, did we do coffee as well? Stopped serving coffee? I think so. We stopped serving everything because we wanted to remind our partners and regular tenders, this is not breakfast. Okay, in fact, we do coffee, primarily coffee and food for our guests. Because we, not, not so much to say, hey, come on back, we got food, okay? Although, if, if that's what happens, it's fine. But to say, hey, you know what? Welcome to our church. 
Is there anything we can do for you? And here, let, let me tell you something. We've discovered from talking to other churches and from our own experience, you put a cup of coffee in somebody's hand who's never been to our church before, and all of a sudden they feel a little more relaxed, a little more comfortable. They've got something familiar, okay? And what happens when you've got something in your hand and somebody comes up to you to talk? You've got a little barrier there. It's all psychological, I'm telling you. But you know what? It's true. You've got something in between you and this strange person who's coming up and introducing themselves, and it makes it a little bit easier to talk to somebody new. It's a truth. It's a fact. It's documented, okay? And that's, that's a huge reason why we do it. So when you come to church this Sunday morning, here's your challenge. This is going to be tough for some of you. Do not eat one of those, what are they, the sweet potato biscuits, all right, those are for our guests. If you get to the end of the gathering and there's still some left, go for it, okay? But save the best for our honored guests, okay? Here, catch this. Where am I? Coffee, coffee and food, all right? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty through 22. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others, as a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. I don't remember the last time somebody got drunk at Nags Head Church. What? You, don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. You know what? It's not a cool thing to come to church on Sunday morning and be a little bit selfish about things, is it? And I'm not saying that's what you do, but I'm encouraging you to not do it. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Because trust me, if, you, if, if it was, a, if it was a, a big epidemic going on, we'd just shut the food down again, all right? So I want to encourage you. Think about our guests, okay? Think about somebody else, all right? When a guest walks in the door, say, hey, see that, see that sweet potato biscuit over there? That one has my name on it, but I'm going to give it to you, all right? All right, can you do that for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hi, my name is Helen. We got some awesome coffee and food. Let me show you where it is. Boom, you're their best friend. Okay? It works. Good job, Helen. All right, next question. Why do we have parent-only signs on the kids' own doors? Anybody? To keep me and other kids safe. Oh, how old are you again? Nine. Nine. I'm telling you. These little kids, they know what's going on, right? The assumption is, listen, here's the assumption. We don't want non-parents trafficking through the kids' own areas because it gets too congested. Now, that's partially true. But to be honest, if that's the only problem we were having with the kids' own area, eh, we'd be okay with it. Here's the problem. Did you know that one of the top reasons, and, and I think it's probably the top reason, a young family will return to church for a second time is because that church offers a safe, clean, friendly nursery and kids' church. That is one of the number one reasons according to the, to the statistics and the polls that are out there. Listen, everywhere else, how many young parents do we have? You've got young kids, okay? Raise your hand, you've got young kids. Everywhere else you take your kids, the YMCA, the elementary school, their preschool, can any adult just walk into those places, into those kids' areas, and start doing whatever they want? What'll happen? I tell you what, 
I don't want to see what, what happens if you try, okay? Because those, those places are concerned about your child's safety. Matthew 18, 6 says this, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, listen, this is Christ talking, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Listen to me. If Jesus Christ, if God our Father is that serious about protecting our children, you better believe Nag said church is going to take it seriously. And it means that much more to me now. Now you might not be a troublemaker, but if you will help us by staying out of the kid zone, it's going to be a lot easier for us to identify if anything should ever happen. It's going to be a lot easier for us to respond if anything should ever happen. And we're that serious about it, we're getting ready to install cameras in the hallways of our kid zone so we can better monitor what's going on in there. Okay? So help us out. Stay out of the kid zone unless you are a parent, a legal guardian, or an adult who's supposed to be helping out with the kids. Okay? Look for those signs. They're on the doors. I promise. Next question. Why do we have a countdown on the screen? We get asked this a lot. The assumption is, what's that? Oh, I missed one. Oh, the Wave Cafe. Why do we close the Wave Cafe five minutes before each gathering begins? Yes. So the guests who come in late can't eat their biscuits. Yes, Billy. That's right. On time. Okay, which will lead us to another question in just a minute. The assumption is our hospitality team, they need an extra little bit of time to help clean up and help get in here on time. You know what? Be honest, sometimes we've got to drag those people out of the kitchen. They love, they love serving. All right, how many of you are on the hospitality team? Give them a hand. They do a great job every week. Let's face it, the Wave Cafe, it's a big draw in our lobby, isn't it? How many of you have, how many of you have not eaten a donut, a biscuit, drank a cup of coffee in the past month? There you go, all right? And that's cool. That's good, okay? Um, and we've discovered, here's the thing, we've discovered some people will stand at the cafe and they'll eat and drink and talk until all the food's gone if we let them, okay? And trust me, I don't take it personally, when people walk in late while I'm up on stage singing a song, okay? Because it's not about me. I don't take that personally. I know some people are late, and that's fine, okay? But our goal is to try to help people get in here on time because everything we do on Sunday morning is important. Even that first song, okay? Even that first song is, is important. So we decided a while back we'd shut down the cafe a few minutes early and give everyone who arrives the time to get in here. That means... If you want a cup of coffee or a sweet potato biscuit, you got to get here a little bit earlier, okay? And that'll give you time to hang out and meet somebody too, all right? Next question. Why do we have a countdown on the screen? Anyone? So we start on time. That's the assumption that's made. Let me tell you something, all right? Here's, Here's the truth. How many of you, partners in our church, every week before the worship gathering, you look up at the screen out in the lobby or the big screen for announcements and the time? And How many of you actually do that? 
Yeah, you know what? We don't assume that our partners are doing that because the statistics show after three consecutive weeks, after three weeks, somebody who comes to church, they see the big screen, they see the screens outside, after three weeks, they stop looking, okay? And that's fine. We realized that a long time ago. So most of the stuff that you see on the screen before and after our gatherings, who is it geared towards? Those people who are coming for the first, second, or third time. What do our announcements say? Here are the restrooms. Here's the kids' check-in. Grab a cup of coffee. Turn your cell phones off. <laughs> All right? And that's what the countdown's for, is to let our guests know, hey, we're going to start on time. We appreciate you being here on time because we know you're our partners. We know you're not dummies. You know what time church starts, okay? And let me tell you something. The band's not back there going, what's the countdown say? What's the countdown say? We know what time church starts, okay? In fact, sometimes there are people who show up at the same exact time, about 10 seconds before every gathering. Sometimes we sit out in the lobby, and when they come in, we know it's time to start, okay? Ouch, all right? So, now you know, all right? Why do we make such a big deal, leading to our next question, about starting and ending on time? Why is that such a big deal for us? How many of you have ever been to another church in the Outer Banks? Okay, did that church start on time, all right? No, and it's not, look, it's not the church's fault. How many of you are not wearing a watch right now? It's the Outer Banks culture, right? Show up when you show up, do it when you do it, leave when you leave, it's all cool. And that's our culture. But we understand that, you know what, if people are gonna come to church and we advertise a certain time, we wanna start on time, we wanna end on time, because here's why. God says, be a good steward of everything I've given you, including the time I've given you. Be a good steward of time. The assumptions made that Pastor Rick on Monday mornings yells at all of our staff because we didn't start on time. All right? That's not the, he yells at us, but not for that, okay? I'm just kidding. Um, he yells at me, but yeah, I'm his son. So, um, but we, here's the deal we want to be good stewards of our time. For example, because we have so many guests each Sunday, because we know many of our guests do not have a relationship with God. We realize that we need to make the most of our time while they are here with us. You might have noticed that we hate dead space in our worship gatherings. How many of you have ever been to a meeting, a business meeting, an organizational meeting, and they don't have it organized, and somebody comes up on stage, they do their thing, and then they're looking around like, all right, what happens next? It takes the next guy five minutes. You know, we hate that. Because it kills, it kills everything you're trying to do. It kills your flow, it kills the worship, it kills the attention, it kills everything. And it's a waste of our time. Our time is a valuable thing. Psalm 49, four through five says this about time management, time stewardship. Lord, read this with me, okay? Up on the screen? All right, here we go, read this with me. Read it with? Enthusiasm, read it with expression, all right? Here we go. That was for my, uh, my mother and those who have ever taken my worship class. All right, here we go. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. As you know, we believe that every element of our worship gathering should be a single acts of worship. 
Okay, everything we do on Sunday morning, this, that, this, that, they all should be worship. And here's the other thing, they all should fit together as one big corporate worship gathering, as one big worship event, worship experience. We take the time each week to carefully plan out what songs we're gonna sing, how we're gonna preach, when we're gonna preach, when we're gonna do the offering. We don't just say, mm, there, we're gonna do the offering, all right? We specifically say, we wanna do the offering there because it's gonna help people worship and free up to worship. The videos, the teaching, everything we do. Again, there are very few things that happen randomly here. Last question. Why do we often dim the lights during parts of our worship gatherings? And, and let me tell you, we had a guest a few weeks ago who came for the second time. This person had come back several months ago. How many of you know we were having trouble with our house lights? There's glass falling from the ceiling when the lights were on. If you didn't know that, I apologize. Uh, nobody was killed or hurt. Um, but, so we just decided, hey, when we turn the lights off, it's cracking the lenses, and we don't want anybody to get hurt, so we're just going to leave the lights off until we get them fixed. took us a while to get them fixed. They're fixed now. No worries. All right? But that's why we had the lights off for so long. But this, this person came several months ago while that was going on, and when they came back two weeks ago, they, uh, they went up to somebody on our First Impressions team and said, I was here before. But you know what? I didn't like it because the lights were all dim and the stage lights were on and it was all about the band. It was like they were rock stars. That, <laughs> that's funny, right? People make assumptions, okay? We have, and, and, and shame on us for not getting those lights fixed faster because it took her about three months to decide to come back. And she said, now the lights are on and, and it's not about the band anymore, <laughs> you know? But listen, we don't dim the lights because, you know, I want, to, want it to be all about me, okay? We dim the lights. Here's, here's the thing we've discovered. When people are here to worship, there's, two kind, there's three kinds of people, all right? There's one kind of person who says, I'm going to worship no matter what. It's, you know, I don't care if somebody's looking, if somebody's not looking, I'm here to worship. Second type of person says, I really hope that people are watching me. Praise Jesus, you know? The third kind of person says, you know, I bet everybody's watching me, so I'm not going to do a thing, all right? By dimming the lights, we free up those other two groups. That one who says, everybody's watching me, well, nobody can see me now, all right? And the other who says, no, everybody's watching me, you know, and I don't want to do anything. We dim the lights, and, and what happens if, if you walk into a, tell me this, when you walk into a restaurant where the lights are dim, what kind of atmosphere does it create? Quiet, what else? Romantic. What else? <laughs> Intimate. Yes, intimacy, right? And so there are times where there are certain songs we sing. It's words we use, our, us, we, and it's about singing with each other and making lots of noise. And there are times where there are, are contemplative songs. Where it's about me, I, me and God, you and me. And we want to give people opportunity to really just focus on here's what God wants for my life right in this moment. And that's why we do it. Here's the deal. That's a short list, right? I mean, we get asked a bunch of weird questions. A lot of crazy assumptions people make, all right? That's just a very short list. But just because, catch this, here's, here's why we did all this. We want you to know, but I want you to catch this. Just because you don't know why we do things the way we do, it doesn't mean there isn't a reason. Unfortunately, we often develop 
a bad attitude about something when we don't understand it. How many of you know that's true for your own life? You don't understand something, so you don't like it, right? We think either it's pointless or it's flawed simply because we're not cognizant of its purpose, so we decide we're going to complain about it or try to change the way it's done. So hopefully tonight you've gained some understanding. You're able to see the purpose behind some of the things, the seemingly pointless things that we do at Nagshead Church. For many of us, I know for me, our first reaction to things we don't understand is to criticize and complain, isn't it? I want to challenge you tonight. Instead, learn to ask open questions. Not critical questions, not pointed questions. Learn to ask open questions about the things that we don't understand. And make the assumption that there is indeed a spiritual and a practical purpose behind what we're doing. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.